When life gets harder, you get smarter. You don't mission, you level up like a boss. Connect Vox Fiber to your home, starting from 554 Rand per month. Level up your experience with Airtime's Wi-Fi boosters, Vobi Voice app calling, Office 365 and over 160 other products to enhance your lifestyle. Live smart, level up with Vox. Visit vox.co.za to view our range. T's and C's apply. So, Rechot, um, are you actually brave enough this week to uh, to be drinking a beer on this podcast after what happened last week? <laughs> Disaster struck at the last minute. Like I said, that moment been flashing through my head. Yeah, no, no, I'm fine now. I've got I've got perimeter set up. I've got a new perimeter borderline set up around my PC. Um, <laughs> DMZ. Less clutter, less clutter to, yeah, yeah, I moved things. <laughs> I think we're good. I think we're good. But I must say, kudos to this Alienware notebook. It handled everything. There was not a, there was like one little drop on the inside that I could see on the plastic outer rim, but nothing else. I mean, so, so we had a few people online last week when, uh, when disaster, uh, disaster struck. <laughs> what exactly happened? <laughs> Well, the play-by-play, -play, Duncan, we were about to go live. The pressure was on. I mean, you were counting down the moments. And um, I also had... Um, Our adoring fans were waiting for us, and, uh, and then I disaster struck. I in the background that I was trying to get rid of, <laughs> and then as I was trying to kind of just reach over to get... I didn't even know what I was trying to pick up, but uh, I, was, I was trying to move something closer or move something away. Yeah. Um, and in that shuffle, I managed to knock over, but also just not, not a lot of beer. I'm, there was still most of the beer left that I had afterwards as a little mini victory lap for myself after managing to fix a PC. <laughs> drown, drown your sorrows afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was a good beer too. It was a, it was a nice homebrew too. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the focus right too, I'm very surprised because that thing actually, I thought it was going to short because the water got into the XLR connectors, yes. uh, the beer at least. And yes. it just made a bit of a crackle as I was speaking to you like, whoa, something's wrong and uh, twitched off. Mm, there's a bit of a cr crackle on your voice right now, actually. I hope there's there? some some uh, damage to it. You are coming through your uh, your main microphone, are you? Yeah, yeah, I am. That yeah. is interesting. I can try the other XLR port if we want to uh, quickly check if it is in fact that. Sure, plug it in if it's uh, if it's not going to disconnect. Um, but yeah, bit of a bit of a disaster last week. Um, but uh, Rechat. Um, are you are you back? Are you testing? Are you testing? Can you hear me? How's this? Yeah, it sounds about the same. Okay, it sounds about the same. So I think maybe it's a fire behind you that's causing all that crackle. <laughs> yes, I should probably explain why there's a fire behind us actually. Um, uh, but before we get there, uh, what are you? Are you actually drinking something this week? Are you taking the risk? Yes, then no, no, I've got something. Yeah, but I think we should. I don't know if you want. Should we go with mine first? All right, go for or it. Do you want to go with yours? Do you want to go with yours first? All right, you let me. Very familiar. So I found this. What? Hey, go, go for it. Go for it. Okay, no, no, you talk about yours first. Ooh, what's that? Well, hang on, I need to go back to Wirecast so that I can see what's actually going on. There we go. What's that, Duncan? It looks similar, doesn't? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> snap! Now oh, that was good organisation. Well, I had to and try, we, I had to try and, we, and we didn't even use Uber to do this. Yeah, yeah, no, we you, you use good old feet through the door. Yeah, after so, you sent me that photograph yesterday, I thought, okay, hang on, let's let's get on the same page. Here. Yeah, and also because it just launched this week, I mean, how mm. could you not, right? So neither of us has tried this yet, so um, we'll be testing this for the first time live on this podcast. Wow, Rechard, you're getting ahead of me there. Uh, I'm pouring <laughs> it over my keyboard, Duncan. I am so brave. Like right you're now. living dangerously. So it's it's from Jack Black. Uh, what's it? The Jack Black Brewing Company. Yeah. Um, limited release, small batch. Uh, it's a winter beer. It's called the Wolves of Winter, and I just love that. Uh, mm. I just love that label. Let me get get it right up close there. Look at that. And it's an oatmeal stout. Yeah, the colors yeah. actually pop out so nicely on um, on the stand. That yellow um, and blue, it's very nice. So it says on the back, celebrate winter with your own pack of wolves. Roasted malts form the backbone of this pitch dark, rich and robust stout. Generous oatmeal and hop additions add great complexity and balance to this heartwarming beer. Uh, and uh, then it says, best served and savoured fireside, which is why we have a fire behind us right now. That's a real fire, I hope, by the way, in case you didn't know. Oh, crap. No, no, just... <laughs> don't, don't get too close. You might burn. <laughs> should have bought my marshmallows, man. Where is it? <laughs> so uh, here we go. Here goes. Here goes uh, I'm going to pour this over my expensive microphone. Uh, oh, carefully. I haven't tasted it yet, so yeah, we're waiting for you to go for the first uh, official tech central 
sip sip of okay. the week <laughs> that is a nice color very chocolatey yeah, it's beautiful beautiful and dark so uh mm. smells uh almost like a yeah it smells a bit like castle milk stout i would say Hmm. Hmm. First thoughts? It's nice. There's a nice maltiness to it. Very nice maltiness and some, um, not too much chocolatey yet. But oatmeal obviously is a um, little bit going to give you a little bit of bitterness, I think. So there's mm. a little bit of bitterness at the end there too. It's mm. nice. I think it's going to require a few, quite a few sips before I pass judgment on it. So maybe we should give our feedback on this at the end. Of the it's certainly very drinkable. There's no doubt about it. This is the kind yeah. of thing. I would also, I mean, I don't know how cold yours is. I would maybe not have it as cold. Maybe it's uh, been out the fridge for half an hour already. So uh, it's, yeah, it's I was going to say maybe more room temperature. Mine is a, is ice cold at the moment. Okay, maybe put it to one side then for a while if you can. <laughs> But it's, uh, Look, I'm going to be not, honest, it's not jumping out at me as one of the best starts I've ever had. But, mm. um, you know, I'm always a fan of a nice limited release. And like you said, let's have, uh, you know, you'll have another one later again or something and you'll kind of go, oh, it's either, yeah, yeah the, those things that I liked about it is either there or yeah. there's nothing nothing new there that I, that I would like. Mm -hmm. Well, the irony of, of this is this, this is obviously a, a winter beer and uh, it, it's uh, sunny and warm outside in China. We're going into summer right now. Despite yeah. the fire in the background. Um, of course, Jack Black. You should put a bri on, man. For a bra, dude. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Jack Black's a Cape Town company, and I suppose Cape Town, uh, winter continues in Cape Town until at least the end of September. So. <laughs> you know, perpetual winter in Cape Town. Yeah. yeah. And summer arrives sometime in November. Um, but it's not bad. I like it. It's. You're mm. right. It's not the best start, but it's uh, it's it's tasty, and it's it's nice and rich. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do say at the back here, this is not really for, for oh, this is for savoring, uh, not for sessioning. So I would imagine, you know, again, uh, what we've been doing a lot is you buy, you open a beer between a few guys and you kind of share it. So you have two or three um, samples of that beer. Yeah. And that usually is plenty, uh, you know, to really enjoy that, especially if it's like a unique beer like this, because not a lot of people would want to drink a, a pint of stout. Yes. It's, it's quite a, could get quite rich or... or a lot of people yes well i do i do have two of them here <laughs> but uh um i suspect i'll only be getting through one during this show especially since it's uh 5.5 percent um, yeah yeah look like um yeah this you would have a few sips i think as i think the warmer it gets also the the flavor profile will enhance a bit yeah um especially around the fire there you know that fire that's the smoke towards the, the fire yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And I, I, I like the fact that we managed to match this week. We should do that in the future. Yeah, yeah. I think we should. Yeah, we'll just start a group. We should maybe tweet it out before. Then people can, uh, our viewers can also have one. Yeah, absolutely. Make an interactive session. For sure. For sure. But I'll give, I'll give, we'll give some feedback on this towards the end of the show. And uh, I think we'll have a better idea of uh, our views on it uh, towards the end. But uh, it's, well, not, have, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's not bad. What I did have recently, though, what still stands out a lot more is the chocolate milk start from. Uh, oh, that's very nice. Breweries. That's very nice. Also, in 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 extreme moderation, I found. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, exactly. But I had one. I had one. Well, I had. I bought some last week, two weeks ago, and yeah. you know, just as a change again, and it was actually quite tasty. Um, mm. Also worth checking out, I think. But that's again the start, not bought uh, so much. Yeah, yeah. The other reason not to consume too much of this is. Um, You'll put the pounds on very quickly if you try to mess out. Yummy. One last sip and then we'll get into our tech news. Um, yeah, should we do you it? Mean the, we, you mean the intro? <laughs> shall we? Uh, shall we? Uh, shall we do our show? Um, uh, let me get things kicked off. I'm Duncan McLeod. And I'm Richard van Berg. And this is Talk Central episode two six nine for the week starting eighteen August twenty nineteen. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central. Join our YouTube live stream on Sundays from about 1 p.m. And please hit that subscribe button. On Talk Central this week, Vodacom wants to switch off its 2G voice network. Also on the show this week, MTN shuts down over 50 base stations due to vandalism. While we want you to develop apps for Harmony OS, Samsung launches the Galaxy Note 10S, and we have life on the moon. 
It's and it's not life as what well, is kind of life as we know. Not life as you know. Well, we've got a picture of this uh, life on the moon. All that we we'll put that up crazy, a bit later. Crazy story, actually. Pretty scary looking thing. It's uh, Sunday afternoon, and we of course are live streaming on YouTube, and it's time to talk everything technology. How's it, Rechart? How's it, Duncan? It's to our quiz. The first question, how much will the 256 gigabyte Note 10 Plus cost in South Africa, according to Samsung? And Huawei has unveiled Harmony OS. Which smartphone will it reportedly first debut on? The third question, Uber last week reported a record quarterly net loss of how much? And who was last week appointed as full-time Celsi CEO? And analysts say store rationalization may be on the cards for Dion Wide and Game Outlets. Who owns the two retailers? Answers to the quiz, of course, as always at the end of the show. But uh, let's let's dive into this week's news and uh, interesting uh, press conference that Vodacom held this week um, to talk about the um, well, to talk about their network and to talk about um, uh, you know just talk about the industry more generally. Uh, but the main interesting announcement at that uh, press conference, uh, you like my my 8-bit graphics behind us, by the way, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they are going to, um, they are looking to uh, switch off their 2G voice network. And we know Telcom has already said they're going to be doing this within the next 12 to 18 months, probably within the next 12 months. Um, Telcom is in a much stronger position than Vodacom to do this because uh, they uh, launched their network much later than everyone else. Uh, and they never actively sold 2G phones on their network. And in fact, um, Sipo Maseko, the CEO, said not too long ago that uh, they don't sell 2G phones at all through their retail stores. And in fact, the only 2G phones uh, that you that are on the telecom network are from phones that have been brought across from other network operators by consumers. So they've they don't have a huge number of 2G phones. Vodacom, on the other hand. Uh, over 30% of its base is still on 2G dumb phones. Um, it's about a third, third split between 2G, 3G, and 4G devices, uh, with obviously 4G growing faster than, than the other two technologies. Um, and it was it's interesting that they want to do this because obviously they are desperate for access to new spectrum and they want to launch 4G services in the 900 megahertz band, um, which is the only sub-gigahertz spectrum they have access to. Um, but... Uh, Andres Delport, the group chief technology officer of Vodacom, said they can't uh, just switch off their 2G network because there's a lot of, still a lot of legacy applications and technologies being used by that network, um, not least of which is emergency services, uh, telemetry-type mm. services. Um, you know, There's SIM cards in all sorts of weird places like traffic lights and uh, um, places in cars in, in, in all sorts of weird places where you wouldn't expect them necessarily to be. But do those still use 2G? I thought those would have used at least a... There are a lot of legacy, uh, lot of legacy stuff which just never gets upgraded. You know, they put a SIM in and um, and the technology is 2G because and, and it's just been working for decades. Um, so they can't actually switch off their 2G network entirely, but what they want to do is they want to switch off their 2G voice network for phones. Mm-hmm. Um, what that will do is free up a lot of spectrum so they can reduce the amount of spectrum they actually allocate to two, for 2G to a very small they, a subset so they can reduce the size of the of the um, spectrum bands they're using or the amount of spectrum they're using for 2G for those specifically for those legacy uh, applications, to perhaps two or even three megahertz, uh, which is a very tiny sliver of spectrum. Mm-hmm. And then what they want to do is use the remainder of that 900 megahertz spectrum. Um, uh, I forget how much they actually have in that band, but um, it's significantly more than two or three megahertz, and use that and, r- and re-farm it for 4G LTE uh, for providing better in-building coverage and, of course, for rolling out um, 4G in more remote parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And it makes a lot of sense, but um, I think it's going to be very tricky for them, given a third of their base is still on 2G phones. Um, and a lot of that, that base is obviously poorer customers um, who haven't been able to afford to buy a smartphone. So they're going to have to manage this politically quite carefully as well, because you don't want to be seen to be just cutting off the connections of people who can't afford to buy a 3G or 4G smartphone. Yeah, it's always a tricky thing, but we know with technology at some point things need to be switched over and 
you know, we know the banking system, for example, is plagued by this legacy technology problem. They've been mm -hmm. in there for years. I mean, okay, they kind of also a very critical system. You can't just switch it off, right? Yeah. But um, at which point, yeah, at which point do you actually then switch this off and say, okay, hang on, we, we, we're really not going to do this anymore, but we're definitely not there yet. I think mm -hmm. we were still in that, in that transition period, um, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But maybe that's one of the problems we have with all the traffic lights in Joburg, if you think about it. I mean, if this, if the legacy tech is so old in those, uh, in most of these uh, traffic lights, yeah, you know, could, it, it could be one of the reasons why we're having downtime in, 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 in when it rains. Yes. Um, yeah, and I'm sure MTN wants to do the same thing. Um, in fact, I think MTN has already refound some of their 900 megahertz for both 3G and 4G for rural areas. Um, which is why you get 3G or sometimes 4G just about anywhere in the country you travel if you're on the MTN network, uh, which is pretty pretty good. I think their 4G coverage now, they, they're talking something like 94, 95% population coverage, which is pretty impressive given that um, these operators have never actually formally been given any access to Spectra specifically for rolling out 4G. They've done a pretty good job of it. Um, but yeah, two G is living on borrowed time. I don't think that um, I don't think they're going to switch off that two G network entirely for at least the next ten years, though. Uh, I think it's it's um, it's just too much legacy stuff still out there. But I think they're going to actively start working towards it now. And I still, but I still think Telcom will be the first to switch off, and they'll probably do it by the end of next year. And good riddance to 2G. Who needs it anymore? Who <laughs> <laughs> needs 2G? <laughs> At one point, we loved the latest technology. I mean, you remember, you remember just roaming on edge or just, mm. just being connected to the internet and good old HS, what's HSDPA, HSPA plus, HSDPA plus. Yes, HSDPA and HSUPA, and then it became oh, HSPA yeah, plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good yeah, times. And then WAP before that. You remember good old WAP protocol? WAP, yes. Uh, on that, what was that? Uh, those um, black and white screen phones. I sure. do. It was a different place back then. The wireless application protocol. Um, yeah, that, it was horrible. It was awful. And it was, it was 2G only in those days. And I remember when Edge launched and uh, and uh, we used to think, wow, I'm on Edge now. This is so cool. This is so fast. <laughs> Peaking out at like 56 kilobits a second. Little did we know, yeah. yeah. And now we have fiber, yay. Yeah, and 5G is coming. 5G. <laughs> I thought, I'm still skeptical. Yeah, yeah. They, the operators are going to need so much spectrum to do 5G properly. And uh, given that we haven't even licensed 4G spectrum yet, mm -hmm. I'm, also, I'm also a bit doubtful about uh, when we're really going to see this in South Africa. Look, I'm all for the slow rollout, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, but we're definitely not going to be a demand, I think. Um, yeah. You know, we're happy with 4G. I think most people, you can do mo you know, you can do anything you want with the really good throughput that we have these days. I mean, Absolutely. I very rarely get under 20 megs anytime. Um, yeah. You know, and you can do anything with that. It's just the data costs now. Yeah. And, and 5G, will 5G make that more uh, more expensive, less expensive? I mean, it, the technology yeah. must come, somebody must be covering the cost for that expensive hardware. Right? Well, it's going to need a lot more uh, base stations, uh, especially yeah. given this is going to be rolling, rolling out at much higher frequencies, so you need a denser network. Uh, yeah, I don't know if the operators are going to price it differently to 4G. We've seen that in some markets, the US is is pricing it differently. Um, but 4G is going to be around for for a long time to come. Uh, 4G is oh. going to be the new 2G. I think 3G is going to probably disappear relatively quickly. I don't mm. think 3G will be around as long as 4G is going to be. Uh, yeah, but I, I, think agree. We, I think I think we're going to see 4G around for the next 20 years at least. And it's it's going to be the main way people connect still for a long time to come. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense because it's a solid technology. We know it works well. Um, and it works very well in conjunction with the, 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 the distribution of the base stations at the moment. For sure. For sure. Um, but... Uh, he says, segueing into our next uh, <laughs> our next topic. There may be an, there may not be a network nef left soon if uh, if criminals have anything to do with it. Um, oh, this the, is crazy. The vandalism of high sites by uh, by people stealing copper cables and, and batteries in particular um, is out of hand. And this is something they addressed at the Vodacom press conference this week, uh, and it's something MTN has been hammering on about for a short while now as well. Um, and in fact, MTN announced this week that they will be shutting down over 50 base stations. They have, in fact, already done it. Mm. Shut down 50 base stations around the country. I think it was 54 in total, if I remember, 53 or 54. Um, because of ongoing vandalism has made it unaffordable, uneconomical to actually keep repairing these base stations. 
Now, the thieves are mainly going for these these very large batteries that the operators have installed um, to deal particularly with ESCOM load shedding. Um, apparently, these batteries, uh, particularly the lead-acid uh, lead acid cell batteries, are particularly useful in solar installations. And I believe uh, mm. in Zimbabwe, they're particularly popular at the moment where there's currently load shedding taking place for about 18 hours a day. So I think a lot of these batteries are going across the border and a lot of syndicates involved in this. Um, but Andreas Dalport from Vodacom uh, said that, that that Vodacom is no longer deploying lead acid cell batteries in its network at all. Um, instead, they're putting in lithium-ion batteries at, at great expense. Obviously, those batteries are much more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're specific batteries that um, cannot actually work outside the context of a base station uh, and without a specific supplier code that you have to enter in to power the thing mm-hmm. up. Um, so the, the operators are fighting back, um, but I think the problem is the these thieves are getting in anyway to find batteries, even if they're not usable batteries. They don't, probably don't even know yet that these batteries are not usable. Uh, hopefully, they'll find out pretty quickly. Yes, um, you can probably strip it down, right? I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong here, but it's stripping that thing down, taking those cells out. Mm. I mean, people are doing it with Teslas. You, you can probably do it with, uh, you know, but I don't know, lithium-ion batteries. I don't know enough about it. No, I don't either. I'm not an expert on battery technology, but... Um, but the problem is they're breaking into these base stations and causing enormous damage. They're cutting mm. cables and they're ripping up infrastructure, and uh, um, and it's, it's it's pretty expensive to uh, to replace. And MTN very concerningly said that they're putting guards on some of these base stations, and the crooks are arriving with guns and there's shootouts going on. Um, so it's it's a very serious problem and something that needs a urgent attention at the most senior levels in the police service. Um, you know, it's 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 disconcerting because at the end of the day, who's going to pay for this? It's you and me who use cell phone mm. services. And that's why data isn't getting cheaper, right? Um, one of the reasons. These, yeah, one of the reasons because mm. these, you know, these costs need to be covered somehow. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what else do you say about this? Unfortunately, you know, criminality gets the upper hand if law enforcement cannot yeah. adequately handle the situation. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of reasons for that. But yes. now it's starting to impact real infrastructure. Whether when this starts happening, you know, in uh, you know, where are these base stations? By the way, that they that they've shut down. Are these in rural areas or no. are they in city centres? Uh, I, th- I think they're predominantly in peri-urban areas. But MTN specifically is talking about Johannesburg and, and Greater Pretoria regions. So uh, cool. it's it's not out in the in the sticks anywhere. This is in in the cities or on the edge of the cities. Which is kind of worrying in its own right. Eh? I mean, yeah. if you have, you know, supposedly. I guess the right security closer by. This shouldn't be happening, but yeah. Mm. But there's a will, there's a way. We know criminals can be incredibly, incredibly clever. Yeah. Um, well, you saw the Sunday. Did you see the Sunday Times as a lead story this morning about the uh, the brazen jewelry theft of Jan, uh, on Jan Rupert's company in in Ravone, in Bryanston no, no. about how these crooks got in? Um, they, they basically dismantled a wall on the side of a vault. Um, they came as dressed up as security guards. Uh, they used angle grinders and all sorts of stuff, and they got in there and they got uh, away with uh, with Rolex watches and other jewelry with uh, a retail value of about three hundred million rand. Um, ADT, uh, the security company, even responded to a call, uh, and these guys had put fake locks on the doors because they knew the, the the response team would come in, in ten minutes. Um, Fantastic. And they even signed the slip. They signed the ADT Fidelity ADT slip to say that you know they, they'd come, they checked, there was no issue. But the ADT guys were actually talking to the crooks who were uh, in the process of a, of, an, of an armed robbery. And once the ADT guys had left, they spent the next nine hours on site, angle grinding and chipping away and breaking into this uh, this supposedly uh, secure jewelry uh, safe or a vault in in uh, somewhere in Bryanston. Absolutely astonishing. I blame 100% Hollywood for this. Yes, I mean, straight out of Ocean's it, Eleven, right? as, as a Sunday Times exactly. point. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, I've watched these movies and, go, and gone, damn, I've got an idea that would pull off the perfect heist, right? I mean, you all have these kind of cool, clever, you mm. think it's going to be the best idea. If there's people out there who've got nothing to lose, then boom, you've got this solid plan there. Yeah. Scary stuff. It's unbelievable. 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 Yeah, it makes the battery uh, battery thieves look like rank amateurs compared to what happened there. Mm. <laughs> Tim Paul, Tim, thanks for joining us uh, on our on our live stream. Uh, Tim says uh, Vodacom, MTN, and Cell C uh, have eleven plus eleven megahertz of nine hundred megahertz spectrum. So, uh, yeah, if they can shrink their two D two G spectrum down to uh, to just two or three megahertz, it's going to free up, free up a lot of spectrum for uh, 
mobile broadband. So uh, thanks, thanks for that, Tim, and thanks for joining our live stream. Um, yeah, so to cell phone operators, I don't know how, what you really do about it. I mean, beyond using technology to deal with these guys, um, you know, it's very difficult to protect these assets because, you know, Vodacom has something mm. like 14,000 base stations around the country. I'm sure MTN is, is not far behind. Um, Cell C, I think, has got about 6,000 base stations around the country. I, I forget how many Telcom has. It's also many, many thousands of base stations. Uh, and these are all over the place. You can't exactly have a guard on every site. Um, I mean, 14,000 base stations require 14,000 guards, which I think is far mm. higher than Vodacom's total employee base. Uh, the, the other reality too is, I mean, put these measures in place and somebody's just going to walk, get around it. Like you were just talking about this, this, this yeah. ADT scenario. I mean, you know, there's, there's always a way somebody either gets bribed or gets a mm -hmm. clever way in. The problem is what they are stealing. So the value, the, the, the assets that they're stealing has got some market value and somehow those get into a market, right? Somebody's yeah. buying and selling yeah. these things. Yeah. If we look at the copper scenario, I mean, that's probably an easier one to crack, but nobody's doing anything about it. I don't know if anything more will be done about a battery syndicate. Um, you need good police work to solve this sort of thing because it's obviously criminal syndicates behind this. So you need mm -hmm. good police work to bust them to stop them if they found at the border taking batteries across into Zimbabwe. Um, uh, good police work. It's how you solve crimes like this and how you, how you prevent it. But um, whether the South African police service is capable of uh, fighting this sort of crime, I don't know. Uh, certainly the, the mobile operators um, seem to be feel they're in a losing battle here. Mm. Well, and that, again, impacts us at the end of the day. I mean, what if one of these base stations affects somebody getting an emergency call through? I mean, that's oh. life-threatening again. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. If this is in urban areas and these are remote freestanding towers, maybe those towers need to be moved to different constructions. I mean, mm. Mm. I'm sure they've been thinking about these things. Making it more difficult to get to it is, is still going to rack up costs. Mm. There's no point in putting cameras in to kind of monitor. I mean, that's just going to be a byproduct of security. But, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> where do you hide these batteries? Bury them deep underground. Mm. Um, but they dig up copper cables, they they do? live electric cables, and they still well, get to them. So, Well, Andres Delport was saying that they actually do hide them. They are putting them underground in, in concrete barriers and, and all sorts of things, hiding them. So they're, they're not getting through that. Yeah, right. They're finding them anyway, right? I mean, they can find the track in your car within seconds. Mm. Uh, you know, they're still live with ESCOM cable. I mean, there is no limits. If, if there's value attached to something and somebody wants that money, mm. Unfortunately, that's also a byproduct of unemployment and yeah, not enough money going around for people that really need it. Mm. Desperate, desperate people do desperate things. I'm not justifying it. I'm just, you know, I'm saying there is a lot of people that are desperate for a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, sad story. It says a lot about our country and the state of our country at the moment. Let's 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 talk about more positive things. Let's happy, happy stuff, please. Yeah, let's talk about harmony. Or a Harmony OS from uh, from, mm. from Huawei. Um, so the details announced over the last week. Um, Huawei South Africa had a press conference this week to to announce further details and to stay, state uh, explicitly that um, Harmony OS is not a replacement for Android. Um, yet, um, um, yet, yeah, <laughs> exact. My thoughts exactly. Um, <laughs> the moment it does, it does, it is capable enough. I'm sure Huawei will turn it into a replacement for Android. Oh, yeah. um, they say they are still committed to Android on their smartphones. Uh, however, there is talk about um, uh, one of the Honor devices uh, probably next year getting uh, the Harmony OS, and um, and they're looking to deploy it in, a t in an Honor TV, um, large flat screen TV, as well as potentially in Huawei's next uh, smartwatch. Um, which is what was quite interesting. Um, Sounds but, yeah. like an Apple a Apple competitor than an Android competitor, to be honest. Yeah, to iOS. Yeah, well, <laughs> well maybe. Um, but I mean, they're talking about this being a I forget the term they use a distributed ecosystem or a distributed architecture, so that it, it it's it's um, it, it'll work across multiple devices uh, on a microkernel. Interestingly, there'll be no root access to this thing, so. Um, I, I did ask um, Akram Mohammed, uh, who's the chief technology officer at Huawei's consumer business group here in South Africa, uh, whether you'd be able to download and install uh, Harmony OS on an, on a Huawei smartphone, for example. And he said, we're not going to be uh, um, specifically making this available, but because it's open source software, you can probably root your Android phone and install Harmony OS on it. But because you can't root Harmony itself, 
you're probably never going to be able to go back to Android if you want to. Um, which I, I think put some limitations on it. Um, I may still find an old device and put Harmony OS on it anyway, just for fun to see if I can do it. Mm, mm. Um, uh, but while we're making it um, or claiming that this uh, operating system is not in response to Donald Trump, uh, that this is not done uh, out of a necessity uh, in response to the uh, US ban since partially lifted on Huawei, uh, that this has been in the works for many years. Um, but um, my, my interpretation of it is certainly is that um, they've certainly accelerated uh, development of this in light of what happened and are, um, and I think have made it very much central to pillar of their strategy going forward uh, because they've realized that, um, you know, if, if you've got a volatile U.S. president, as we do at the moment, that, um, you know, there's a chance that you may not continue to get access not only to hardware components but also to operating system software like Android and like Windows. Mm. Um, so I, I think it's, it's, it is very high on, priority, uh, on Huawei's priority list right now. Um, we don't know much about the OS yet. There's no builds out there. We can't play with it. We haven't seen it. Um, but uh, certainly from what I've seen, it looks like it's going to be a very lightweight OS. It's going to have to be if it's running on IoT devices, on smartwatches and all that sort of thing. Um, I don't know if there's going to be different versions for different platforms or whether it's all going to be the same core code. Um, it seems unlikely, but maybe maybe that's what they're working towards. Um, but what was interesting was Akram Mohammed from Huawei this week said that, um, well, we've, we've uh, got a billion dollars, one billion US dollars uh, uh, for app developers to develop for this platform and a big portion, or a, not a big portion, but a portion of that, a, sig- a substantial portion of that um, uh uh, billion dollars is going to be directed uh, outside of uh, the outside of China. In fact, eighty percent of that amount. And uh, Huawei said that South Africa is a key market, uh, and some of that money will be directed to South African developers who develop apps uh, for Harmony OS. Um, so they, they're clearly putting a lot of money behind this, and uh, I think they need to because uh, you know uh, if you want people to move to your platform, you need app developers behind it, and I think that was one of the big failings of Windows Mobile is uh, even though Microsoft also attempted to do the same, perhaps they didn't put as, uh, enough uh, monetary backing behind it uh, because at the end of the day, of course, Windows Mobile failed. And um, mm. app, the app ecosystem at the end of the day, especially on a smartphone, uh, is what determines its success or failure. That's the one thing that makes me just you know think out loud about the scenario. If Windows, if Microsoft had a hard time, maybe they were too soon. Maybe too, uh, well, they were they were ahead of their time with with their operating system for sure. Yeah. You know, apart from the the, the, the big you know the big social media apps, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, these guys, I don't I don't see much incentive for everybody else to develop because we know how how much effort it is to create an app for various platforms. I'm sure you can use various emulators. Um, on, I guess, on on these various uh, app platforms, or you know, I guess if these app developers are able to export code for these platforms quite easily, mm. otherwise it's going to be tricky to incentivize anybody, um, especially if it's a unique, uh, unique in, uh, framework, you know, a unique platform that uh, doesn't really work well with others. Yeah, but if if there is if Huawei is going in the future for their own full ecosystem operating system. To dominate and rival the likes of iOS and Android, this is certainly the way to do it, right? Mm. I mean, because we kind of remember the the, out, the outcry that happened when people went, "But I don't want another operating system, but Android on my phone." Yeah. Um, when the Huawei US um, debacle happened, so I think you're certainly right. They're speeding up their process now to get this out and to just to kind of tell people that this this isn't going to replace it yet or replace it. Um, get people used to it, get people start developing apps for it. Uh, maybe it's good and people like it, and then they can uh, escalate their plans. And then it becomes an organic growth, and you can say, but, you know, this is what this is what we've been working towards for a few years now, which yeah. which they probably did, you know. That would be the next frontier, to take to take on a, their own operating system and take over Android mm-hmm. if they have the biggest mm-hmm. phone base in the world. I mean, Apple can do it with theirs. They've got their own operating system and their own devices. We know Huawei is one of the, well, they are the biggest phone manufacturer at the moment, right? Um, Second biggest, biggest after biggest, Samsung. Yeah. Um, you know, so once you we get saw- people used to your software, it's very easy to make that switch. Mm. 
Yeah, it's it's hard though. It's going to be very hard to convince users to move off of Android because they're so used to it. Um, and of course, we saw Samsung developing its OS, own OS mm. called Tizen, um, and mm. that wasn't successful. Uh, but Huawei's pitching this as more than just an OS. They call it an ecosystem. Whatever that well, you see, this is what they're they, they starting, uh, they starting on the other side where people normally build their operating system and then trying to get into an ecosystem from there. Mm. They've got the devices, so they, they're just provide, providing a layer over an existing operating system saying, okay, look, this is what we, this is, this is your new lifestyle interaction with our products. Yeah. And it's probably going to be a very, I mean, based on what I've seen before from, from the software, probably going to be a very good um, piece of software that you want to use. And there's going to be some nice features in there. Um, it's going to be open sourced, which is interesting. Which I think I mean, is if I can now run it on my Windows machine, oh, that's going to be a great feature. Now, all of a sudden, yeah. my Huawei devices become, my Huawei lifestyle devices become important to me. Yeah. It's a clever sure. marketing move if that is indeed the way that they're thinking. Yeah. So we should see, uh, we should see some developments on this and hopefully uh, an initial release in the coming months. Um, and, and I think a third ecosystem is going to be fantastic if they can pull it off. Yeah, the competition's definitely. needed. Oh yeah, yeah. I just think the app is the app is always going to be the tricky thing. Mm. Mm. But yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm sure they've thought about just running emulated app software, so running Android yeah. code on their operating system. Apparently, it's not going to work, but um, it's going to be very easy to port. They say so. They're going to be releasing an IDE. Okay, cool. They're going to be releasing an IDE that they say it will take you less than a day to port your app across to to Harmony. Interesting. I wonder what in, comp in comparison what Microsoft was, if Microsoft had anything um, to that effect to make it easy for developers. They must have. They must have. I don't, I don't know whether a day was... Uh, <laughs> quite the same was thing. Quite, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the app stores were a very different thing back then too. I mean, we weren't, mm. the code base wasn't as much as it is, is now, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But good luck to them. Uh, good luck to them. Um, Lots of work to do for the form for Huawei, though. But I think they got a big fright from uh, Mr. Trump in the last few months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, need to up our game, boys. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, another phone manufacturer that uh, was in the news over the last week or so was, of course, uh, Samsung, and they have just launched their new flagship, the Galaxy Note 10 and 10 Plus. And I have to say, that is a gorgeous-looking phone. Really, I've never been too impressed by the devices as a as a non-user, to be honest. But um, yeah, just another slate. Yeah, it's big. But it's, <laughs> it's big, but it's beautiful. That the plus is well, a what is what is the appeal? I mean, is the screen this time? I mean, you've obviously played with it some more. Is the screen great? Much better? No, I haven't played with it yet. In fact, I don't have reviewed devices in the country yet, as far as I know. Um, it's just actually gone to U.S. journalists in the last twenty-four hours, I believe. Um, so no, haven't had a proper look at it yet. Just watched the launch videos, um, but uh, oh, that's pretty impressive. That's a photo technique that they've got going there. Yeah. Look, a lot of people swear by the devices. I've just personally never been a user, but um, it looks great. The note, the note devices has certainly always been one that I liked um, mm. to play with. I just don't like the sharp edges of it. I don't know what it is. I mean, with their previous Galaxy devices too. You know, the top left and right, well, the top yeah. corners at least. Yeah. It's digs into your thumb. It. Digs digs into mm. your palm. Mm. Yeah, but when you slap a case on it, it's probably okay. Um, but it's it's that screen on the ten plus is massive, six point eight inches, nice. um, which puts now it the pen again becomes another nice feature, right? The what? Sorry, the pen on that big screen. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, now I've always been a fan of the Note devices ever since I saw the first one all those years back. Um, I, I picked this thing up. I, th I remember seeing, I was at Dimension Data. I forget what, the, I think it could have been a Samsung event. And someone was demoing it there. And I picked up the original Note, which I think had a 5.2-inch uh, screen, if I'm remembering correctly. And back then, the, the normal form factor, I mean, the iPhone, I think, was a 3.5-inch screen at the time. Uh, picking up this 5.2-inch phone, um, it, was, it was like, wow, this thing is so big. And then I thought, this is the future of phones. Remember when we were calling these phone sizes phablets yes. as a particular category? I mean, no, they're just a normal phone. No, no, it's yeah. a standard thing. Mm. Um, and I never thought I would use a large screen device. I mean, my Mate 30 Pro isn't as big as the Note, but you have a Mate 30 Pro. How did you do that? Oh, sorry, Mate 20 Pro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming right over. <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't have said that. Damn, they're going to take my device away now. <laughs> 
But my Mate 20 is, um, I mean, that's the biggest device I've used. And I became very, very quickly used to that bigger screen in my life. And now, when I use or actually have a smaller device in my hand, I, I don't actually know how I ever did it. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, it's crazy how you adapt to, to technology, especially if you're resistant to it. Yeah, I mean, try picking up that one of those original iPhones now, and you'll think, whoa, this thing is dinky. What's wrong with it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I used, to, I used to love my 6S. I mean, that was my favorite device ever. Never yeah. go bigger than this. And I remember telling you those words distinctly. Uh, uh, yeah, I remember. Uh, exactly remember that. I remember. But yeah, maybe, maybe I will be a note user one day still. Yeah, but once you do away with the bezels, the, the bigger screen, of course, is, is a lot more manageable. Mm. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, I, but I guess you know your high-end phone today is so good to begin with. It's just mm. really getting getting the the, the screen yeah. size you want. Yeah, but I must say uh, I look forward to actually um, seeing this uh, this phone in the flesh because it, it does look gorgeous. If you look at that, there's some of that video footage in the background. The new Dex mode looks pretty cool as well. Um, so you can turn this thing into a PC without that silly dock. Um, that's always been a fantastic concept. I just mm. never seen it used to its full extent. I just again, mm. it's maybe maybe too early for people to actually fully use it as a desktop machine. Mm. Uh, well, nice, I think nice maybe idea. maybe people who are actually buying a phone that is this expensive um, already have a laptop. True, true. Um, but that functionality, as uh, you know, the power of this phone uh, will be in the hands of mid-range phone users in a few years' time. Mm. And when that happens, then maybe we'll see decks taking off, assuming they bring it down to the mid-range. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, once your entry-level devices have the right specs, and we know that's happening mm. all the time, you know, top-end CPUs just kind of filter down to mid-range, and then tech gets into the next-generation entry-level devices. Yes. Yeah, so uh, very desirable phone, but uh, very expensive. Uh, we'll get to the How many price. are you going to get? <laughs> How many am I going to get? Two. One for the one for the car. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if I'll be getting that phone. Um, I'd love one. I'd love one, but it's very expensive. Um, right, our offbeat story of the week. Have a look at this uh, bastard, if I can say it on the podcast. <laughs> you might need to just move your head out the way a bit, Reha, to uh, other way, other way, other way, <laughs> other way. My right's going. You wouldn't want to see that in a dark alleyway, would you? <laughs> are, are you alive down there? <laughs> that is what a tardigrade. <coughs> Apparently, it can survive uh, through a nuclear holocaust. Yeah, that's crazy. It's hardier than a cockroach. <laughs> One ugly, ugly thing. But having, I mean, yeah, how crazy is it to have? I mean, it's, it's pretty, wasn't there a big thing in science where we shouldn't be infecting other worlds with our or mm. space science, where we shouldn't be infecting other worlds with our biology? Pretty sure Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac Asimov have both written extensively on the subject, yes. But I also, I guess also, I mean, we, we kind of broke that when we went to the moon, right? Didn't we leave anything, we leave left stuff behind there? I mean, that flag alone. Yeah, full of mites and stuff. Exactly, you never know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this was deliberate um, by uh, the Israelis who launched that, um, what was it called? I forget the name of the spacecraft. Um, but they, they, they pushed, put up a spacecraft um, quite recently, about a month ago. Mm, so. April, no, it wasn't in April. Was it in April? Okay. Yeah. And uh, it had a payload on it, um, which uh, they didn't bother to tell anybody about, including the Israeli government or the US government, which launched the rocket. Uh, of these things called tardigrades, which I had never heard of before this mm. uh, before this rocket went up. Now, that thing behind us on the screen right now uh, looks uh, terrifying and something out of an alien movie. But in fact, I think um, it's only about half a millimeter big. Um, yeah, they're incredibly tiny. I mean, tiny know, little things, very hardy, and uh, they can survive just about anything, include, including being frozen. Um, they can survive without oxygen, I, I think. Uh, but they, I don't know about oxygen, but certainly they can, they can, they, you can throw a lot of abuse at them and they'll survive. Now, for some reason, uh, this Israeli mission decided they were going to put a bucket load of these things on this mission. Um, and, of course, we know what happened to that mission. It, uh, <laughs> it didn't work out quite as successfully as they'd hoped. And it crash-landed on the surface of the moon. So there may, may now be lots of these little tardigrades uh, running around on the surface of the moon. Um now, articles I've read suggested that they're not going to survive all that long in the mm. harsh 
outer space environs where the temperature is way below below zero, where there's no oxygen, no atmosphere, and the moon is being bombarded by um, ultraviolet and probably cosmic rays. Um, but uh, they're up there, and uh, no one actually knows how long they might survive before they die in that that. Um, I mean, weren't they also in a in a dehydrated, frozen state to begin with? So, I mean, they're not. Nothing's gonna, you know, they're gonna stay in that state. Oh, are they? Like, I didn't know that. Okay, they well, I mean, alive. I that's, what I, that's what I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I just read. Yeah, they were definitely in a dehydrated state. Um, but I was also just going through this one report on live science. Um, but there, uh, where somebody said there is other cultures already on the moon. I mean, stuff that astronauts have left behind, like. Uh, abandoned bags of astronaut poo gut bacteria mm. that's found in there yeah um, so that is definitely yeah there's definitely junk on the moon already yeah we can't we can't do anything right can we? <laughs> so yeah next time we go to the moon in fact i think there are, there are some manned moon missions planned now uh next time we go up there we better watch out because uh, these things might have mutated and, well uh, no this is a thing you don't know duncan right let's say just uh, a meteorite. We know we know the moon gets hit a lot by uh, just meteorites. Um, one of those could just have the wrong element. I mean, we've seen these science fiction movies. Yeah, and it could t- turn it could turn into uh, an episode of the Doom video game. <laughs> <laughs> and Netflix will have this, uh, the documentary a year later. <laughs> uh, it's a fun story, anyway. Um, but yeah, we shouldn't be uh, we shouldn't be trying deliberately. Um, Dropping Earth's life forms onto other planets and other, uh, even onto our own uh, satellite. Yeah, no, please let's not cause more damage to this solar system. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, lots, of, lots happening in science at the moment. Lots of missions going on that uh, that are quite exciting. It's one off to what's that uh, moon of? Uh, is it Saturn? One of Saturn's moons that uh, Io or Europa? I forget what it's called. Mm. Uh, where they say there's a big ocean under the surface and they're going to go and probe for life. It's coming up in the next couple of years. It's going to be quite interesting. Interesting. I'm still really concerned about the satellites, the amount of satellites and what they are doing up in space. Uh, mm. I often come ar- come across science stories where they talk about, you know, the capabilities of these things. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the stuff of science fiction really can be real uh, in the wrong hands. So it's, Yeah. Worth watching, keeping an eye on what we actually put up in Scarlet, looking down at Earth, not out into space. Yeah. yeah. So once they drill into that ocean on Io or Europa, I forget which it is, um, it will be a bit disconcerting if they uh, they pull up their drill and find tardigrades down there. <laughs> or worse. <laughs> or worse. Well, anything, anything that's alive could be a problem, right? <laughs> I think it'll be fantastic if they find life, but. Uh, I don't think when we find life in our solar system, it's going to be uh, anything much more be- more than the ba- basic uh, single-cell organism or something like that. But you never know. There might be stuff swimming under that moon, in that mm. liquid ocean. Yeah, I mean, a few years ago, we didn't think there was water on Mars, right? Now we know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's crazy. Indeed. Uh, let's have a look at the chat room, what's happening. Um Martin says, that's probably how we got to Earth. Some alien accidentally did an interplanetary seeding. Isn't that what the Scientologists <laughs> believe? Um, I think that's the basis of Scientology, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Martin also says, mutated from a half, mili- ha- half a millimeter speck of life. True story. Right. Um, we have gotten a little bit off track, haven't we? Um, yeah, yeah, digressing a bit. <laughs> so... Tardy grades. Sweet dreams, everyone. We move out the way. <laughs> what a horrible looking thing. Uh, right. Uh, what's on our, what's next on our agenda? Um, winner and loser of the week. So let me hit that button. And this uh, handsome chap behind you is Douglas Craigie Stevenson. He has just been appointed as permanent CEO of uh, Cell C. Um, I'm not sure if that makes him a winner, uh, given the, how much work he's going to have to do to turn that uh, company around. Um, but uh, he's got his head down, he's working hard, and uh, there's a lot of work to do. Uh, and we're expecting some uh, some news about their recapitalization in the coming weeks. But uh, I thought, since we haven't had a winner for a while anyway, let me pick Douglas Craigie Stevenson uh, for his appointment as permanent CEO of Cell C. Uh, any guesses who our loser might be this week, Rechard, without looking at the show notes? 
I already looked too late. Too late. Cool. Okay. Here he is. <laughs> How many times has it been loser of the week on this podcast now? <laughs> um, that's for uh, his uh, silly uh, trade war. And uh, he may just have kickstarted a third ecosystem in mobile, which is fantastic news. But uh, for Google and the Americans, maybe not so, so, so much. Um, unintended consequences of your... Uh, Silly actions, Mr. Trump. Uh, you may just have kickstarted a major competitor to Android. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, um, I think it's good for us, but for Mr. Trump and uh, for Google and Americans, it's not so good news. So well done, Mr. Trump. You're our loser this week for the umpteenth time. Uh, Rechart, let me find your pick of the week. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, so I've been seeing, I'm sure you've seen this little thing on Facebook ads and just one day only or take a lot. This little Bluetooth receiver, it's this big. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got an old, well, my car is a few years old. It's only got a 3.5 millimeter audio jack. So I, um, one of the reasons I always resisted going wireless or, you know, with the 3.5 mil is because I still actually use it on a daily basis. And that was one of my daily uses for, for that 3.5 mil jack. Okay. Um, up until recently. So I saw one of these in special. I got two of them. They were 99 Rand each. I mean, they're normally about 130 or something. They're really cheap. But this thing turns any old 3.5 mil audio source into a kind of wireless Bluetooth speaker. So using it in your car, um, Again, you just connect to it, and now you have wireless audio. So now, actually, with my with my Huawei, I can charge my device and play music at the same time without going to too oh, much nice. effort. Mm. Um, and it works really well. The audio quality is surprisingly good. Um, it's got nice bass levels on there, and uh, the, the sound throughput is really solid. And it's quite loud as well. So yeah, for the amount of money you spend, if you want to turn your old vehicle or any device, I've got a set of old uh, speakers too that I've got that I bought the second one for that I'm going to plug into. Um, and that's going to like just be anywhere in my house. And I've got another Bluetooth speaker, which is pretty cool, I think. And it, yeah, like I said, it works really well. You just might just want to keep it plugged in. It's got a battery in, um, so you can run it wirelessly. Uh, the battery probably lasts a few hours, but you would want to keep it plugged into a battery source or a power bank okay. for the best user experience. But yeah, so far using it for a week, it's been a solid little gadget. And uh, for a hundred odd rand. It, only a hundred rand. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I bought one. Up. They were nine hundred rand uh, on a one day only special, but I saw them now on take lot for like one thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few different variants of these, but this particular one just kind of just I've been seeing it around so so much. I thought let me give this one a try um, when it came up for special, and yeah, solid. Cool. Excellent. Good pick. Um, my pick this week is uh, actually don't have a photo of it, so. Uh, let me just throw up the Tech Central logo. Uh, it's actually a book, and it's not really tech-related. Um, in fact, I, if you watched the very brief uh, solo uh, podcast I did last Sunday uh, after um, Rechart's um, hardware incident, um, I briefly we shall it not, It'll be forever known as Black Sunday, Duncan. Black Sunday. <laughs> I was thinking Beergate, but... Uh, I think oh, Beergate. <laughs> wasn't that scandalous? It was yeah. just as awful. So I won't spend too much time on this, because I, I know a few people have already seen this pick, but... Um, my pick is a book uh, called The Stellenbosch Mafia Inside the Billionaires Club by Peter Detoy. I uh, finished it last weekend and uh, very, very good. Um, there's not much tech in it. A bit of, a bit of stuff on Vodacom and Vumatel, but apart from that. But it's a, a very good uh, rollicking read about uh, about uh, these billionaires uh, that you can see on the cover here. Johann Rupert, Christo Wieser, uh, the dude from Steinhoff, uh, Marcus Euster, and I'm going to forget this guy's name, which I shouldn't uh, do. Yanni Maton, I think it is. Uh, and um, uh, it just talks, it spends a lot of time talking about the Steinhoff disaster and um, the uh, the fallout from that and how the, the Steinhoff boys moved into uh, Stellenbosch. They went to a Stellenbosch company uh, and how they started sponsoring the rugby club and splashing money around and buying fancy houses and driving around Porsches and how their old money in Stellenbosch. Uh, the rem grows, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Look down on this with a great deal of disdain. Um, also talks a lot about how uh, how they were really um, were uh, profligate with uh, with uh, investors' money. Uh, with uh, Marcus Euster hosting a, a a visit to the World Cup in uh, England and spending ridiculous amounts of money and what they got up to there. Um, but uh, not really a tech pick. But since I didn't have an app or anything else to pick this week. I recommend this if you're looking for a good business book. Thoroughly enjoyable. The Stellenbosch Mafia Inside the Billionaires Club by Peter so Detoy. 
What did you learn from that book, Duncan? Don't have billions in the bank. Don't be Marcus Eurster. <laughs> um, bumper sticker in that. Don't be Marcus Eurster. <laughs> don't be evil. Uh, <laughs> but um, Rollicking Read, uh, one of the best business South African business books I've read in quite a while. So that's my uh, pick this week. And I think, uh, Rachel, that is the show as he finds the show notes. Um, I think we just have to do our quiz, right? That's it. Okay, let me do the first question. How much will the 256 gigabyte Galaxy Note 10 Plus cost in South Africa, according to Samsung? Hold on to your wallets. 22,999 Rand. Why do those large amounts just seem to be becoming more normal? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, normal. it's expensive, but it's normal for a phone of this caliber. Second question, Huawei has unveiled Harmony OS. Which smartphone will it reportedly be first, first debut on? And the question is, an unnamed device coming from Huawei brand Honor. Look forward to seeing that. And Uber last week reported a record quarterly net loss of how much? This is quarterly, not annual. $5.2 billion. Ouch. <laughs> Fourth question. <laughs> Who was last week appointed as full-time Celsius CEO? And the answer is Douglas Craigie. Douglas, Douglas, sorry, Douglas <laughs> Craigie Stevenson, who had been serving as interim CEO for the past five months following his resignation of Jose Dos Santos. And the last question this week. Analysts say store rationalization may be on the cards for Dion Wired and game outlets. Who owns those two retailers? And that's JSE listed Massbot, which is majority owned by US retail giant Walmart. And that uh, is our is our quiz and uh, just about our show, Rahat. But uh, before we go, any last uh, any last thoughts? I've got a few dregs left here, so I'm just going to pour them in yeah, the glass. Let me actually have another taste. Let's do an official final show verdict. I've been enjoying it to do the show. Not lie. Going back to it and having a second taste is quite delicious. Mm. It's nice. I I wouldn't give it. I'd probably give it a seven out of ten. Yeah, certainly now that it's warmed up a bit, now that it's more room temperature, um, mm. it's got a much nicer mouthfeel. I would, I would also give it a seven out of ten. Mm. It's not bad, but uh, it's. I, I actually think I prefer Castle Milk Stout, to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't go as far quite, but I definitely better starts out there um, mm. in the craft scene. This, this, if this is on the shelf for a long time, I wouldn't buy it regularly. But because it's limited edition. Um, you know, I'm the kind of person that go back, maybe get another yeah. one because you know it's kind of interesting and it's new and uh, it's not. It's a nice talking point with a good label. It's a nice as a once-off, and the label's fantastic. The label's fantastic. <laughs> right, so just uh, see if there are any other comments in the chat room before we wrap up. Um, to Fudzwa, Brian Mudakwani um, says, hey, I've got that Bluetooth receiver. Works like a charm. There we go. There's an yeah. investment for you, Rachat. And uh, Martin says, I've got uh, a dongle in my old car that connects via my uh, to my Bluetooth-enabled phone and broadcasts FM frequency that I tune into radio. This gadget plugs into cigarette lighter. I was also looking at that as an option, um, but because I've got a 3.5 mil that goes straight in, I figured that the audio source would be better as opposed to Bluetooth audio would be better than FM audio, I would imagine. Mm. I don't know technically if that's true. Um, but yeah, that was our. Yeah, I mean, it's good to know that those things work well too. I always thought it would be fun to modify those things and then just broadcast FM radio to all the people around you in the car. Uh, <laughs> people listening to their favorite radio station, just hoying the frequency. They're obviously hardly legal. I won't do that. Yeah. But uh, and you can rickroll them. Yeah, well, that's a, yeah, exactly. That's a thing. It's quite easy to modify the the, the, the to amplify the signal on those things. I'm sure. Mm, yeah, for sure. And our last comment this week comes from Glenn, uh, Glenn Varen. He says, uh, just a pity that this book, I presume he's talking about the Stellenbosch Mafia, uh, won't be an audio book along with many other SA books. That's a good point. We don't have a lot of audio book versions of uh, South African books. But Glenn, this is, is a quick read. It's not long. It, uh, in fact, if you sit down in the morning, you should have it finished by the afternoon. Um, I think it's, what, uh, 200 pages. Quick, 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 quick read. What's that? Sorry. Good long article. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's our show. Uh, as always, join us here at 1 p.m. on Sundays on uh, YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash techcentral. And, um, and our WhatsApp line is 071 triple. I never remember it. Help me out here. 071 There we go. There we go. Uh, so send us what a WhatsApp. Or, what is it? Do you remember it? 
Oh, 071-999-111. <laughs> <laughs> I should know that by now. I repeat it every week. I always uh, forget. I got the notes <laughs> opening it. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, until next time, thanks for watching the show and uh, take care. Cheers. Ciao, ciao.